Good morning. So good to see everyone here. Uh, just awesome seeing everyone coming in and filling this place. And welcome to everyone joining us online as well. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. And just so thankful that you are here. As it's already been mentioned, we are uh, entering into a new series that's going to be today in the next four weeks entitled This. So it's the word hurry with a, a line drawn through it. So can't really pronounce that. So that's the title of our series. So we're going to very awkwardly just refer to it as that's our title there. We hurry in life. We rush in life. We move at a pace that is not sustainable long term. We just need to admit that. We need to confess that. And as we just uh, came from our last series, Healthy, the goal is to have a Christ-centered, being a Christ-centered focus, a Christ-centered walk as we proclaim him as Lord and Savior. But life can get ahead of us so often. Earlier this morning, I was uh, mindlessly scrolling on Facebook, and a friend of mine who used to be a pastor, I think he had a deeper meaning as he posted this, posted this, uh, this picture here. And it says, uh, who said pastoring a church is stressful? I'm 42 and feeling great. And maybe for you, it's not pastoring a church, it's running a business or um, raising your kids or going to school or whatever it may be. And you're like, ah, I'm whatever age and feeling great, but everything about your being and your existence just feels heavy. It feels like there's something else that should be going on. There's a, a different reality that should be unfolding. And I love how John began his message a few weeks ago with the question, do you realize how fast you are going? And he was referring to when being pulled over, which the week before I was pulled over for going too fast. Uh, so I thought he was critiquing my driving when he said that, is that this question is very relevant, is do you realize how fast you are going? And the answer is no. And generally, it's not until there's crisis in our life, it's not until we're forced to stop that we realize how fast we've been going. See, this matters because we move at a pace, and the pace we move at determines what we see, and what we see determines what we do, and what we do determines who we're becoming. Before we know it, we can be at the end of our life and look back and be like, how did I get here? Or maybe you're in your 20s and your 30s and you're already going like, how did I get here? Often it's because we've hurried through seasons of life without being aware of what we're seeing and then what we're doing and then ultimately who we're becoming. And the Christian faith is a formative faith. It is not just something to think about, it's something to embody. The way of Jesus is a calling with us. And so we ask this question as we begin this series, who or what is driving our life? And how fast are we going? What pace are we at? Is it a God-sustained pace? Or is it a culture-driven pace? Because the culture-driven pace, it will kill each one of us if we keep at that pace. So let's start with a simple evaluation. I'm going to give you six comments, and I want you to answer yes or no. Now, I recognize the fact some of you cannot answer just yes or no questions because you think of every reason or justification why it could be the other answer. This is just a simple evaluation. Just go with us, okay? So keep track of how many yeses you have in these six comments. First one is I treat everything like a race. All right, yes or no? Second thing, 
I find it impossible to do one task at a time. You're texting, you're watching TV, you're writing a letter to someone, you're paying your bills. Yes or no? Third thing, I am often irritated when there is a delay. Fourth one, I feel perpetually behind schedule. I love, I love like the light groans that are coming this morning. I can, I can get a feel where we're at as a group here. The fifth one is I interrupt or talk over people because I just have something to say and people gotta know it. So I interrupt or talk over people. The sixth one is I am obsessed with checking things off my to-do list. I love my to-do list. It's a special thing to me. So how many yeses of those six did you have? How many? Was it one? Was it two? Was it three? Was it four? I see some threes. I see some fours. Uh, who's being honest? Some threes, twos, fives, six. Thank you, sixes. So thank you for being honest. So we got a two. Yeah, we're all across the board. And what we're finding, what the, the people who study society are finding, I shouldn't say we, I'm not, I guess I'm a little bit, is there's a term that's being used called hurry sickness. We are making ourselves sick because of hurry. Now, this isn't a medical condition. It's not a mental condition yet. But we're driving towards this, where we're making ourselves ill physically, mentally, emotionally, because we hurry everywhere and to do everything. We're at a pace which is just impossible to keep up with. It's the way of the West. It's the way of the American Eric Rittenberry, who writes for an online magazine, um, not a proclaimed follower of Christ, he has some unique commentary on uh, the world we live in and also Christians, which you'll hear at the end. He says this, as, as the average American, you're enduring some type of chronic illness, overstressed and rushed, unrewarding job, little or no savings, greatly in debt, fat mortgage, two vehicles in the driveway with a five to seven year loan on each, lots of gadgets and toys to keep you occupied, Huge TV, little free time for yourself due to your career and a demanding spouse. Weekends filled with church and or senseless entertainment. And a bathroom cabinet heavily stacked with pharmaceutical tic-tacs to help cope with the emptiness of it all. This is probably you. This is considered normal America. You are a success. You've achieved the American dream. Your obedience and education and hard work have paid off. Congratulations. But... The problem is that you're miserable and shallow and quite possibly unhealthy and a little dispirited and you'll likely die either of heart disease, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, or suicide in the not so distant future, statistically speaking. Or you'll make it to the old age with this too, all too common deathbed regret. Despite living in the richest country on the planet with a gargantuan military and budget, you keep to, you, to keep you so-called safe, you're frightened and unhappy more than ever. Seems your material abundance and chronic hustle and good citizen ideals have done nothing for your happiness or well-being. In fact, this status-chasing, security-obsessed, hurried American lifestyle is draining you of your life energy. It's killing you, and it has been for some time, and you feel it. Even the devout Christians among us, as far as I can see, are more influenced by our disease culture than giving it all away teachings of Jesus. Christians tend to be up there with the most materialistic people among us, which is ironic because they supposedly follow the teachings of the least materialistic human known to man. The culture of materialism and consumerism is our God. 
Yes, even among the devout. The cultural programming runs deep, and it's clear to see that our hearts and our minds have been severed from the sacred. Everyone, collective exhale. That's heavy. As I read this entire article, it was just heavy because I can relate. I can relate personally. I can relate to the people who sit across from me at tables or in my office. I can look into the eyes and think of the people that I interact with, the world around us. You can do the same. It's heavy. It's heavy. But as we know, there is hope. I mean, I'm not just presenting a bunch of stuff just for you to have this burden on you. There is hope. There is hope to this just cultural overrun of excess and burden and hurry. And hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. And this isn't a simplistic, just, just, it's just Jesus. No, it is legitimately Jesus that we find our hope in. Jesus calls us to another way of life, another way to breathe, another way to be human, another way to exist and move through this world. But he doesn't demand it. He gives us a choice. He gives us a choice every single day. In fact, it's an invitation. And he says this in Matthew 11, which is just going to be our core three verses for the day. He says this. He says, come to me. And I just picture gentleness in Jesus' eyes, a calmness in his tone. When he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. This was true 2,000 years ago when he spoke this. It is true today. Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I, Jesus, will give you rest. See, Jesus knows that we go everywhere else for rest or trying to gain rest or find that hope in something or someone. But he says, come to me and I will give you rest. See, we live with this lie that if we hurry and we do enough and we create enough and we buy enough and we invest enough and we we work hard enough that one day we're gonna be able to rest, that one day that hurry will be gone. Then we'll find what we've been looking for. And this is a twisted lie that we live into and we hurry. But rest is found in the person of Jesus. Jesus came to give us his life and life to the full. He came to set us free, not only eternal, but now as well. We find this rest in abiding in Jesus. This is more than just checking in with Jesus. Abiding in Jesus. It's this life in him. Trusting Jesus. That that big project, that big um, thing at work, that that thing at school, that responsibility that you have, that you're going to work at it, but you're going to trust Jesus as well. Knowing Jesus, relying on Jesus. And so ultimately, we want to examine how are we being formed? How is hurry or the removal of hurry in our life have the ability to shape us? Who am I becoming by the things that I'm doing? How am I choosing certain behaviors or habits? Whether I consciously decide upon them or I just let them happen in my life. Because just as much as Bible reading can be a habit, Netflix can be a habit, right? You may not consciously be like, I'm just gonna, like you say, I'm gonna read my Bible, you know, X amount of time every day or whatever it may be. Sometimes our habit is just, it's nighttime, we're turning on Netflix. 
I'm just going to mindlessly scroll Instagram. So in these few weeks that we're together, we want to put a few tools in your hands. We want to walk with you. We're participating just as much as we hope and invite you to. So we want to give you two tools, one being a book. For those of you that jump at books, I highly recommend John Mark Comer's Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And he tells a story where this title came from, and it's a a beautiful story of what it means to follow Jesus by eliminating hurry. And so I encourage you to read that. And whether or not you choose that, we invite you to either pick up one of these companion guides for our series. Uh, There's a pile of 40 or 50 of them sitting back at the coffee bar. You can also download these off our website. I think they're in PDF form. And so you can use this. And what's in there is a week-by-week walk through Scripture. There's questions. Some of the questions relate to the book. If you're not reading the book, just skip over those or try to answer them the best you can. Um, But you can use this. There's discussion questions, whether it's personally or with your group, with your family, with your neighbors, whoever it may be. And then there's also practices in here. You can't just think about it on Sunday and then come back next Sunday and be like, oh, I should have done something, or, or just feel like this is going to be the recharge. But there's practices every week of trying things out, of evaluating. I think there's, this week, if I remember right, there's a burnout inventory, and I uh, um, can't remember what the other one is. You'll have to get it and read and see what it is. Um, so that you can, uh, you can see that. But we invite you to participate this summer. But back to Scripture, back to what Jesus was saying. We love Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. But you can't have verse 28 without verse 29 and verse 30. This is what Jesus said. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest for your souls. This is deep, deep rest. This is not like I took a nap and I feel better or I got some protein in me and I'm ready to go. This is deep soul rest. And he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now I recognize Jesus uses this word of yoke. Some of you are thinking like, what does this have to do with eggs? I don't get this. Jesus is talking about rest and eggs. It's gotta be like this protein thing and just there's something there. No, 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 no. Most of us did not go out this morning, um, grab our oxen or grab our horses and put on a yoke. This is a drawing of what a yoke would be is there's a a wooden piece that connects two animals with this looped um, hooking mechanism and uh, and then something that the farmer can use to control uh, the oxen. And this was Jesus in this day riding in a culture that was very familiar with a yoke. Yoke is also uh, the rabbis of the day they're teaching would be called a yoke. And so what would happen is a farmer would take often a mature oxen or horse and then put them with an immature oxen or horse, and they would work together. The mature one would would work along teaching the younger one the way to go, but they would have this yoke on them, keeping them together, directing them where to go, and, and, and helping them do the job that they were called to. And so this yoke was extremely important for maturity and for growth. And Jesus is saying, I have a yoke, I have a teaching. I want you to be bound to me, connected to me. For he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I used to read this passage and be like, okay, good, the yoke is easy, but the burden is light. There's still a burden. I thought, Jesus, you were supposed to free me from everything. I thought the burden was supposed to be taken away. But what Jesus is saying something is is it's not extremely just jumps right out from the passage here, but we need to understand that it's not just either we take Jesus's yoke upon ourselves and we walk with Jesus, 
or we have the option of not having a yoke. No, we all have a yoke. Every single one of us has a yoke on us right now. For some of us, it's the way of Jesus. For others, your yoke is your job, your drive, your calling, your finances, your family, even your spouse. And you try to control that and be led by that and work like that. But whatever that other thing is, if it's not Jesus, it is gonna drive you to hurry. It is gonna break you. It is gonna fail you. It is gonna let you down. You're gonna let whatever that thing is down as well. Yeah, we should be one with our spouse. We should be moving together biblically in that way. But this is different than what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about a dependence, a yoke, a teaching, a way that makes things easy and light. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. He's saying, learn from me, walk with me. It's not just a Sunday morning thing or a five minute devotion on a podcast every morning. It is this way of life. It is this full and utter dependence upon Jesus. And he lightens that load. And there's beautiful things that happen when we're yoked to Jesus. When we release these other things, we're still working, we're still going to school, we're still loving our families, but there's a beautiful thing that happens when we put on Jesus's yoke, when we start to walk intimately with him. The first thing is this, is we listen to God. We listen to God. When we hurry, when we're moving along, it's hard to hear God. When we stop and we walk with Jesus, not when we're like, hey, Jesus, come on, I'm up here. Come walk with me. When we get in step with Jesus, this yoke, and we're moving along, we listen to God. I mean, think back to times in your life where you were forced to stop or you chose to stop. Maybe it was some sort of condition that was going on or there was a death in the family or maybe it was some sort of moment like a a mission trip or just where you just felt God doing something. You were listening to God. God is always speaking. We're just not always listening. God is always speaking. That's why the psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He says, be still and know that I am God. There's a choice in putting this yoke on that Jesus calls us to. There's a choice in being still. There's a choice in slowing. This past week, I drove to Nashville on Thursday and came back on Friday. Nashville, Tennessee, not Nashville, Michigan. You wouldn't be very impressed if it was just Nashville, Michigan. Um, so I drove in this 36-hour trip, and I, before I left, I knew this is what I would be speaking on on Sunday, and so I said, I have to practice this. And I just made this commitment, just said, I'm going to listen for this time that I'm in the car, that I'm with friends there, that I'm doing these different things. I'm just going to listen. If there's a podcast on, I'm going I'm to be really attentive to what you're speaking, God. I'm going to turn it off at times, and I'm just going to listen in the silence. So, of course, as I'm trying to do this to get past Louisville, and a tire blows right on the highway. I'm like, no, I have to be in Nashville for this event. I have to get there. I, I don't have time for this. And so I'm off and, and starting to put the spare tire on, and where do I go? And it was this moment of, like, just be present and just listen. Just pause and listen. And it was a beautiful thing, just this slowing 
of what was a really quick trip, but it was the slowest trip, I think, at the same time I've ever taken. See, life continues on around us, and we can still do things, but it doesn't have to be as hurried or as frantic or as stressful or anxiety-filled as we allow it to be. When we eliminate hurry, we listen to God. So we listen to God when we slow. The second thing is, is that we're reminded of who we really are. We so often find our identity in what we do or the people around us or the people we know or whatever it may be. But when we slow and we put on this yoke of Jesus, these are just a couple things that the word tells us about who we are, that we're deeply loved. You are deeply loved by God. Just please hear that. You can forget everything else I say. You are deeply loved by God. You are chosen and adopted. You're precious and honored. You're a child of God. You're heirs. You've taken on his identity. You're his children. You are his. There's life in Christ. You're a new creation. You're uniquely gifted. You're alive in Christ. And this is such a small sampling of what the word has to say about who you are. This doesn't say anything about titles of positions that we have or achievements that we put so much effort into. This is who we are as God's children. See, we become and we live into anything that we're yoked to. That's why so often we just find our identity in what we do or where we live or where we go to school or whatever it is, we find our identity in that when our true identity is in Jesus. And the third and final thing is that we're reminded of how much we need God. We're reminded of how much we need God. When we slow, when we put on this yoke of Jesus, we are reminded. And again, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes we are slowed because events around us happen, the death of loved ones, the loss of a job. Things happen to us, illnesses, disease, loss. And it's in these moments where we get to this point and we just, we're forced to stop and really evaluate that question of, okay, I've said that I've needed God, but now I really know I need God. This is so out of control. I'm at such a loss. I need Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. Think of a psalmist who wrote these words that might have been in a position like this where the psalmist said, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. And I will never, never be shaken. I'm gonna invite Randy uh, to come and join us. This is Randy Souls, and he's gonna, he's gonna share with you a journey and Janine is coming as well, uh, a journey that he and Janine and the family have been on uh, the last number of months and what the Lord has been doing in and through them, really reminding them of this listening, uh, the need of God and who they are. And so thank you, Randy and Janine, for sharing. Get you the mic here. Uh, good morning. So, um, yeah, last couple months, forgive me, because I, uh, I kind of cry like a baby, um, so hopefully I can get through this. My wife's with me to help me get through this as well. 
Um, so Psalms 29:11 spoke to me early on when this all started. And it, um, it says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And when this started, um, I was very lacking in strength and with peace. And I think it's pretty appropriate to have um, Janine with me by my side because that's where she's been for 40 years. Today is our 40th wedding anniversary. So. Many of you probably know Janine because she has, like, faith unbelievable. Um, if I had half her faith, like, I would be sitting a lot better than I am now. And she's most definitely the most positive God person uh, there is. Um, big encourager. And I love her very much, and I appreciate her. And also, to add to it, um, our two daughters and two granddaughters uh, surprised us by driving down from Grand Rapids to be here just Thank you. So I want to start off by praying first. So if we can pray, please. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for um, you being a mighty, um, a big, powerful, um, faithful, compassionate, loving God, Lord. Just thank you that uh, we can always cling to you. Help us always to um, be in your yoke, Lord, to, to guide us through things. And I'm also thankful, Lord, for the the privilege and the gift and the power of prayer. Um, thank you, Lord, that we can bring all things um, to you and you are there for us and we're thankful for that. In your name we pray, Lord, amen. So a uh, little background um, of what we went through. And many of you know this because I know many of you have been praying and many of you have talked to me about this. So back on May 5th, um, I had an incident where had a mini stroke, which was kind of weird to say that when you're, I know that happens to a lot of people and it's not that uncommon, but uh, so Janine recognized one night at home that something wasn't right. So she convinced me to um, go get checked, went to the emergency room, ended up um, a couple of different hospitals and all the testing and they diagnosed it. Um, they think we had a mini stroke and by the grace of God, they found this um, giant aneurysm. And an aneurysm is, is something that when the blood vessels weaken, it kind of balloons out. And when it balloons out like that, there's a rupture of it. Um, there's a chance of it rupturing. And that, when those rupture, there's a lot of bad things that can happen with that. So um, give praise to God that, that this was found. Um, the doctor said that it, he probably had it for a long time. So the fact that something minor like this uh, mini stroke happened, we're able to find it and get it treated. So thank you to that. A um, couple things that, and I apologize for having notes. I, part of it is to make sure I stay on track. <laughs> um, but I, what I, what I'm, what I'm sensing, God, is that you know, Randy, get up here and talk about what you went through. And I just want to give praise to God and glory to Him. Because without him through this, there's just no way that in my family and with prayers that we could have got through it. Um, sometimes Satan attacks with fear, and, and that went on a lot, a lot through this. But you know, when you read, I think when you read the Bible, it talks a lot about um, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. 
I think really the translation is um, to be in awe and reverence. And that's where I'm at. I'm just in awe and reverence of, of God through this total awe. I'm still processing a lot of things. And I can still see God's hand working today um, through this. So thankful for that. And I want to try to say this accurately. Just, just, I don't know. Thank you just doesn't seem to be enough. But to just how deeply thankful, appreciative um, for all of you. Um, being um, uh, prayer warriors, um, acting out on God's behalf, showing your love, because all of the prayers, the encouragement, the cards, the support that we received was much needed, and it carried carried us through this. And I appreciate that. Funny thing how God works again. So um, I, lo- I love Christian music. Uh, ministers to me a lot. Um, I love the folks like John Gurton who has that talent and that passion to, to bring that to us. Um, so there's a song that we actually sang this morning, not scripted, not planned, but raise a hallelujah. Well, pretty awesome that that was a song that we sang today. So that song was, there's a story behind it because there was uh, the authors of it, a husband and wife um, wrote that song when a little boy in their church was going through a pretty life and death situation. It was, um, I think he had a, some type of virus that was attacking his kidneys and stuff. And he's very young, very little. So they wrote that song to focus on um, raising a hallelujah during the dark times. Because we know when, it's, when we're on the mountaintops, pretty easy to give praise to God and go all through that. But um, So that song, not that I was worshiping that song, but that song was instrumental uh, for me in the last couple of months, especially in the hospital. Um, there was a night that, um, uh, Thursday night, this procedure was on Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday during the day, I felt like I could come home. I felt really, really good. Um, uh, Thursday night was a kind of a rough night. I had a really bad headache. And they wake you up, they're doing neuro checks every hour so you don't sleep, uncomfortable bed, all that. And it was, it was a long night. Like I could see every minute go. But I, I um, just kept thinking about all the prayers that have been um, sent my way, all the words and encouragement. I just want to acknowledge, too, our youth. Um, Nick had our youth write a bunch of um, individual notes. And those things kept replaying in my mind, too, as well. So... You don't think that little things like that make a difference, but they do. So thank you. So got through that night, and just sometimes it takes work when when things are a little dim, and you got to focus on God. And, and so that that allowed me to, and I can honestly say I probably have one of the worst voices in this room when it comes to singing, but I was doing my best to sing. Um, during those dark times to get through this. And so um, some of the words that you just read today when we read that, um, I I also should mention that personally, uh, when, uh, just to give you a picture, you know, when I was a a kid, you know, when it would be stormy out, it was a little scary when you had thunder or lightning and everything, but when it was dark and you couldn't see what was happening in the uh, walnuts and the 
limbs are hitting your house and the wind's pretty scary time, pretty dark and scary times. And that's kind of how I would qualify what um, the last couple of months have been at times. But raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes and fight for me. And I certainly felt God in heaven fighting for me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, up from the ashes, hope will arise. And that's what I felt during that was hope. Um, just the hope, the hope coming from that. And the lyrics read, um, death was defeated, the king is alive. I added that, that fear, Satan, and negative thoughts were also defeated through that. So through all of this, I, I think I, it's pretty clear I was not a, a pillar of strength. Um, but I never doubted God, what he could or what he would do or could not do. That was never, um, never in my thoughts. I know he could deliver this. I know, I, and even if he didn't, I know where I'm going. I'm at peace with that. And that was not the struggle. The struggle was you have beautiful kids and beautiful wife. The prospect of maybe not seeing them again. So that um, also I should mention that, and I already qualified this, you know, with the fact that it's hard. And I don't know if there's a Satan at work, but just repeating. My, I have a bad, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, a replay mechanism. So when I kept replaying the bad things that could happen, you know, the doctors do a great job of explaining. I think I mentioned that earlier. Uh, that just kept repeating in my mind. And that was probably Satan attacking with that. But probably what, what also hurt with that was that... Um, that there were a lot of times during those dark times where I was going, where Satan was saying, maybe you don't deserve to come out on the ice like this. That was hard. Um, but going back to the hospital, being, this is where God stepped in again being um, taken down to the to, emergency, to the operating room. Our doctor was a phenomenal doctor. This, and God, there's a whole other story of how he led us to him. Um, but I'm thankful for God creating pretty highly skilled and um, gifted doctors because he stopped our bed, shook hands. Um, and his words, very calm, very um, compassionate doctor. And he said, I just want you to know, and he's, Janine's right there, he said, I want you to know that I've um, gone over this procedure in my mind about a thousand times in the past two weeks. I can't think of a, a stronger thing for the person who's going to be working on you to tell you that he's prepared for this. And we found out afterwards that it was a, um, a very complex procedure, took a lot longer than what they thought. Um, but there again, God's hand was, was there <laughs> Like I said, I could talk about numerous other things that um, that went on through that, but um, back on track here, Randy. Okay, so I mentioned fears and lies um, can consume us at times, um, but I want you to know 
that during those dark times, during that storm, obviously it was God right there by our side. But it was also the symphony of your prayers, the encouragement, um, and your love that made those battles that I had very short, very brief, and able to deal with them. And that was, I just, um, I just can't say enough how much your prayers and everything allowed me to continue to sing a hallelujah to God through all this. And I should mention, obviously, because God died on the cross for, for you and me, and that grave is empty. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I felt feel unworthy through that, but I'm thankful that um, through his grace and his love, uh, we know where we're going to spend eternity. So thank you all. Appreciate it. Love you all. Thank you. Thank you both, and huge praise to God how he continues to work in you and through you. I want to share a thought here, a word from Frank Paul. He wrote, he said, if we compare our pace to the pace of Jesus's life, there's not many similarities. Um, The pace that the souls were slowed to in these last number of months was a much more Jesus-y type of pace than they were at even before. Jesus was never rushed. He wasn't overwhelmed by life even though he had an enormous mission to complete in a very short period of time. Culture's obsession with busyness and hurriedness isn't just a scheduling problem, it's a heart problem. And Jesus said in John 15, he said, remain in me. He said this over and over again in John 15, remain in me, when he's talking about the vine and the branches. Just keep saying, remain in me, remain in me. And our identity comes from Jesus. We can find it in so many other things. But hurry is going to drain us. It's going to push us away from the things that we love most. Even though we're trying to accomplish those things for the people and the things that we love most. Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you. So what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to sing Raise a Hallelujah again. We're going to make this a prayer. We're going to make this a proclamation. Is that for many of us who have existed and living in hurry and busyness and rush, that we would allow this to be a rest. As Jesus invites us to come to him, that we would take our weariness, we would take our burden, we would take all of that, and we would find the rest that he proclaims, that he gives, that we would put that yoke on us. So would you join as we sing this song that you make it a prayer?
So Jesus, you are hope. Lord, you stand in the face of fear. You stand in the face of doubt. You stand in the face of hurry. Lord, you are hope. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, your word says that no one comes to you, to the Father, except through you, Jesus. And so today, for those of us who have tried and continue to try to do life on our own, 
with our own strength, with our own knowledge, with our own well-being, God, we surrender that at the foot of the cross. And I'm talking to people who are following, say they're followers of Jesus. We surrender that at the foot of the cross. Lord, fill us. God, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your presence. Lord, change us. God, may the hope we have be the hope that only Jesus proclaims and gives. May we be a people who are changed, who walk empowered by your spirit, not propelled by the culture around us. Jesus, make us be in step with you. Father, I pray right now too for those who are listening to these words, whether they're in this space or they're at home or traveling or wherever they may be, that have not put their trust and faith in you. Lord, that today they would surrender their life. They would confess their sins by saying something like this to you is, God, I am a sinner. I have sinned. Lord, I have done it my own way. And today I surrender to you. I confess my sin. And I trust in the saving work of Jesus on the cross, that Jesus took all my sin, all my shame, all my brokenness when he died on the cross. So I surrender it, I confess it, and I receive your forgiveness today. Lord, I thank you for salvation, that you now call me child, that you now call me beloved, that I'm part of your family. So Jesus, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. You are hope. Father God, you are so, so good. We're so thankful that we can raise a hallelujah to you and walk with you. And we pray this all in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen, amen. Maybe seated just for a second. If you, I would encourage you is, to walk these next number of weeks very intentionally, to walk really um, considering what it means to hurry and what it means to slow, what it means to rest. And if you have prayed to receive Christ, whether you're online or whether you're here, let us know. Last week we had one who let us know that he received Christ. And so we give God praise for him. And so... So we want to walk with you and encourage you and, uh, and just uh, be here to grow you because uh, that's what we're all about.